When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Any good stories from the road? Pipe up. I wish we'd gotten seen a little bit more out of our punter. I'm starting to puke. It makes my stomach hurt. Yeah. I thought he was going to die. I'm starting to throw up in my mouth a little bit. He's on the probiotics. Is Georgia playing the 1985 Bears this weekend or what? A lot of Todd, Todd, Todd talk. That poison proof. They're mongeese. We will not be hunted at the University of Georgia. I can promise you that. The hunting that we do will be done from us going the other direction. Hey, y'all. Uh, it is the Georgia Show, Wednesday edition, as we really close up June on a strong note for the dogs. It's been a lot about the defensive line commitments here lately. We're going to touch on some offensive line dogs and on a guy that was in y'all's doghouse for a little while, but now uh, I think he's proven himself to be pretty strong. We'll get to that in a minute when Mountain Jake joins us, but first... Uh, the big news to start this week, if you want to call it news, is the report that Michigan is adding something called a beat Georgia period to its practices. And this is the first time we've had an opportunity to all talk together at the same time about it. And I'm curious, guys, what do you think a beat Georgia period looks like if you're a Michigan Wolverine? i tell you what, at the Rowe household every day, uh, every part of our morning routine is we have a let's be millionaires period and it hadn't worked yet. I mean, it's, it's nowhere close to working. Uh, we've got triple digits in the bank account around here. We're doing the best we can. Uh, I think it'll probably work out like the millionaires thing did at Georgia. And listen, I'm not some of this talk trash. I think Georgia's this infallible, invincible program on the football field. I, they're not. Okay. I think, you know, there's a good chance here in the next good chance this year, Next couple of years, one of these teams that's not supposed to beat Georgia, a South Carolina, somebody um, is going to rise up and get them. All right, it's going to the snake's going to bite. But I don't think Michigan meeting Georgia in the playoff is something really Michigan wants as bad as they think they do. I mean, maybe in the final, because um, you know, and and I think Michigan should want to avoid Georgia there too. We saw what that looks like, and 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 before you say anything understand that Michigan had about 70% of that stadium, maybe 65% of that stadium and Michigan wanted to win. I would assume really bad in their first trip ever to the college football playoff. And they got waxed. I'm talking about, they got beat like they stole something. (laughs) And you know, that's just, I don't think you want what you think you want. Did, Jake, going back to that game, did you think it was going to play out that way? I mean, not even a little. No, you know, like I, I, mm. I had the, I had the SEC championship game on my mind, and I was wondering, hey, man, what's what's this? You know, how does this how does this team feel? How does this team respond? And <laughs> they were pissed, apparently. Yeah, it it felt like Georgia had been exposed a little bit, and you know, I obviously that's not. Michigan's brand of football to you know throw it around the yard like like Alabama did in that SEC championship game but um yeah I mean I did not see it playing out that way and 
you know, I, I think that when you match up two teams that have very similar styles, both of these programs are built on physicality um, and, and you match those up, the team that's going to win is the team that has more talent nine times out of 10. And Georgia has more talent than Michigan right now. Could that change? Sure. Um, you know, is, is it changing anytime soon? I, I don't think so with the way that Georgia's recruiting. And, and that's not a knock on Michigan's recruiting. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure that they are right up there with Georgia uh, for these next couple of classes. But Georgia is recruiting at a level that Michigan is not. They play the similar styles of football, and I think it would play out very similarly. So, um, you know, how what, what does that Georgia, beat Georgia period look like? I mean, I feel like it's got to be built on – you know, physicality and, and, you know, matching Georgia and, you know, the physicality, what they bring to the table at the line of scrimmage. I think that's where it would start. And I think we made, I made the analogy on the show, Georgia's bud heavy. All right. Georgia's bud wiser, red breast, king of beers. Okay. Uh, if you're, if you're from South Georgia, you know, we call it red breast down there because uh, of the brim. Uh, but then you got Michigan who's bud light. All right. And then you got, Kentucky's bud, what is it called? Bud next? What is it like that? That real? Uh, uh, they're like a seltzer. They're like a yeah. bud seltzer or something. <laughs> bud light seltzer. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's just kind of the way it is, and I, I, I agree a hundred percent, Palmer. It's kind of like, uh, listen, if you're gonna be, if you're gonna have different shot puts that you're just gonna ram together, um, the heavier one is the, the more dense one is the one that's gonna win, and Georgia is is the heavyweight in that matchup and and Michigan's good man Michigan's really stinking good and I, and it's not like I don't think it's impossible for Michigan to beat Georgia um but I'm telling you if 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 you put them to those two teams on a neutral field with a 50-50 crowd and go 0-0 turnovers and just say duke it out play your best game they are going to get like I mean, it's going to look like old boy that I see on TikTok all the time with the, the arm wrestling championship, uh, Darren Lariat, Darian, Darian Lariat, or whatever his name is, <laughs> beats the stew out of everybody. That's what it's going to look like. And and here's the other thing, and I think I tried to convey this a little bit in the story that I wrote on this, and and certainly brought it up in the thread, the discussion that we were all having on it on the board, but. Kirby Smart and the way that this Georgia program operates. Do I think it's a little bit cliche that they, you know, take it game by game and that they're not focused on anybody other than UT Martin who they play week one? Yeah, I think that's a little bit cliche. And, and but I do think that Georgia is not putting an emphasis on anybody that's that's not on their schedule already or or somebody that they've you know, that they're very, very likely to match up with. I mean, Michigan is in a different conference. These two teams wouldn't play each other until at earliest the, the semifinals. <laughs> I mean, worry about – That's kind of what know, I like about it, though. Beat, beat Ohio State is is what it should be, and obviously they've done that and done that well. Do I think that they're going to do that three years in a row? No, I didn't think they'd do it two in a row for what it's worth. But – Focus on that. Focus on beating Penn State. Focus on beating, you know, Michigan State. The, these teams that you're going to play, you know, hell, throw in a Wisconsin that you might see in a in a Big Ten championship game in Iowa. You know, I don't think that you need to be focusing on a team that 
you very well could not match up against. Because if you put too much emphasis on that potential, the potential for a TCU to sneak up on you is, is much higher. Well, I think that showed in the playoff game because yeah. TCU did beat them. And I think a lot of the players on that team had a lot of the motivation to beat Georgia because they wanted to get back and get another shot at them. And it was kind of a, a win-win, right? They figured they were either going to get another shot at Ohio State to prove how dominant they, they were over the Buckeyes or get another shot at Georgia to get some revenge, and it backfired. Um, but that's kind of what I like about Jim Harbaugh. I appreciate people who think differently in college football and try things to motivate their team in different ways. And I think this is something that Jim Harbaugh is obviously uh, got a couple screws loose. If you've seen any videos of him, you know, mowing his lawn or eating his well-done ribeye with a glass of whole milk. He's a different guy. So this to me just proves that Harbaugh is tinkering with something here. And maybe he thinks it'll work. But I'll tell you, for a beat Georgia period for any team, you need a first-round NFL draft pick at quarterback. That's what Bama showed you uh, in that SEC championship game in 2021. Does Michigan have that in J.J. McCarthy? I don't know. I don't know if he's the guy to do that. you got to have somebody special back there to carve up this Georgia defense because it's only getting better from last season. When, so you, look I, at George, when you look at Georgia's last four losses – and I just kind of did this in my head, so I might be wrong on this, but I don't think I am. Look at Georgia's last four losses. You've got two number one overall picks, um, Joe Burrow and and uh, and uh, God, Bryce Young. Bryce, Bryce Young. Young. I, I, I wanted to call him Chase Bryce for whatever reason. That's not true. <laughs> um, Bryce Young and uh, Joe Burrow. You've got a first-rounder in Mac Jones, and you've got Kyle Trask in that Florida debacle. Who was a um, second-rounder. Yeah, it was second rounder, and it was wheel route country that day. So, and Kyle um, Pitts though too. I mean, you got to have somebody on offense that is really going to keep you up at night. Yeah, and, look, and I, I think Michigan has somebody incredibly special in in Blake Corum. Um, you know, at running back. I mean, there's a really good chance that he, you know, he he's got a chance to be a Heisman finalist. He's you know got a really good chance to win the uh, the Doak Walker Award. Um, you know, for the nation's top running back, but uh, that's not how you beat Georgia. Let's, uh, I mean, flip side of this, how does Georgia handle things? Kirby Smart's on the record saying, we don't practice to beat any given team. We practice to beat everybody. Georgia's practice session is the beat everybody period. I mean, they, they have their own beat Georgia period. Like you were saying earlier, Palmer, it sounds like a coaching cliche but it is clearly working out for the dogs. All they do is focus on trying to not get beaten by themselves. Georgia's taking does kind of insulate you from some of the things like what Michigan had. If if Georgia's losing a game, it's probably not going to be a self-inflicted deal. It's probably going to be a team that really did square up and beat you. Georgia's going to the nutrition table. They're making themselves a plate. They're dumping it out on the floor and they're eating it off the floor. That's exactly <laughs> what they're doing. They're eating off the floor, eating, you know, whatever. Doesn't matter. That's what Georgia's doing to get ready. Even if it's meat chicken, they're eating it off the floor. The nervous bird. It is a nervous I was, bird. I man. was gonna I was gonna use the nervous bird reference. 
Yeah, Jim Harbaugh couldn't last around here. You guys know. I send my pictures of me me smoking my chicken legs. Uh, he can't. Jim Harbaugh can't have none of my chicken legs, man. It's a big chicken state. We got a lot of birds around here. I'm grateful for this, though. I mean, this is – I don't know if it's one of the all-time off-season stories for Georgia, uh, but it's, it's up there. It's pretty interesting that a team that's not even on your schedule is already thinking about ways to beat you. You're officially in the we want Bama territory, but instead people are saying we want Georgia. You are well, the class of the sport right now. And, and I was going to ask you all, do you think Georgia has put any extra emphasis over the entire you know time that Kirby has been here? You know, if there was going to be a program that it was a beat fill in the blank period, beat Bama would be, you know, up there. Um, sure. I mean, probably the pick unless, you know, beat Florida, you know, focus on your rivals and somebody that you're seeing every year. But I mean, you know, do you think Georgia's had a beat Bama period or other than the weeks and years that they play Alabama? I mean, I think it's a fine line because we've seen how Kirby uses the, you know, the bulletin board material and feeds his team th those motivational talking points us against the world kind of deal, but they do it in a way that doesn't single out that opponent. They just kind of feed that beast and say, you know, this force out here is, is against us and they're saying this about you and that's what this is why you can't win. And that's I mean, kind of as close as they get. I, I mean, I think we've talked about this before, you know, with the Alabama National Championship rematch that they learned from Michigan – Ironically, that uh, Alabama's coaches thought Georgia was out of shape. So what did Georgia's coaches do? They, they conditioned the hell, the hell out of them. But that yeah. wasn't like saying, let's go out there and beat Alabama because we need to beat Bama. It was, let's focus on us. About the closest thing you're going to get to this is uh, Georgia taking an extra period to prepare for a team like it did Georgia Tech, like it did a little bit for Tennessee, uh, you know, throw in some elements that that they may need to be ready for down the line. It's about the closest thing you're going to get. And um, Kirby Smart has said this over and over. I, I don't necessarily know that I, I believe him to the fullest when I say this, but he has said over and over that, you know, listen, he doesn't want to change the philosophy from week to week to prioritize one opponent over the other because – then you start to kind of get into the little bit of things that Georgia maybe struggled with under Mark Rick, which is, listen, they'll come out and play like gangbusters against a good team this week. Uh, case in point, beating Clemson to start off the uh, to start off that 2013 season, and then losing to South Carolina, and then figuring out a way to come back and beat LSU and South Carolina. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, losing, yeah. Okay, yeah, 2014. I've I lost my mind there for a second, but yeah, beating Clemson, losing to South Carolina. You look at you look at the 2013 season when I think they lost a game early on in that year, and then you know they came back and beat you know uh, LSU. They lost to Clemson on the road, played poorly, beat LSU and South Carolina at home, both top ten teams. There was so much up and down there, whereas the way Kirby does it, it's a little bit more steady, it's a little bit more consistent, and that's that's made all the difference. Jake Roos, really quick before we move on, what do you think a beat Georgia period looks like? I said that you got to have a first-round NFL draft pick quarterback at the minimum for a beat Georgia period. Yeah, um, I'm going to say that uh, you need about 
eight dudes who are going to be drafted in the first round on defense um, uh, that you're going up against. And then uh, if you're trying to stop them defensively, um, you know, this year, I, I don't know, maybe you tape three people together and let them act like Brock Bowers. I don't know. I mean, that's <laughs> uh, what else could you do, man? Well, hey, if you're Michigan, you're going to have to find a way to keep, you know, to put a diaper on and not pee down your leg on the offensive line in the, in the playoff. Um, two Joe Moore award-winning offensive lines have just gotten obliterated in uh, two playoff semifinal games. So that's another thing they're going to have to get better at. Yeah, maybe hope you don't win the Joe Moore award this time. Um, you can always win with Breaking Tea. We have a link in this show's description right now. I would prefer that you don't hop off, maybe open it in a different tab while we continue to flap our gums about the dogs. But you've got every single Georgia shirt you can imagine, other than these Stetson Bennett shirts. I mean, y'all y'all really picked those over. But Brock Bowers is still there. All the national championship gear that you can think of to rub it in your neighbors' faces who have the misfortune of cheering for other teams like Clemson or Auburn. Or hopefully not Georgia Tech. But you have all of these great shirts at your disposal right now at breakingtea.com on the Georgia page. Did y'all see yeah. uh, break, Breaking Tea hit our board today? J, J Perk1362 said, Every time I try to save some money, they release a brand new awesome shirt. I blame the staff here. You think that was the year he was born? 1362, yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that would be uh, Matthew C says he's got breaking tea bookmarked and looking at it once a week for new designs. It's a good idea. That's like his home page. Do people still have home pages when you open up the internet? I don't. No. I remember that was mine was always ESPN when I was like mine the first time HQ. I had the internet. Boom, ESPN. I was reading. Uh, who was I reading back in the day? Probably Ivan Mazel. Yeah, on three contributor himself these days some of the some of those old rick riley com uh columns and uh rick riley I yeah I, I never read rick riley beyond uh beyond the last page of sports illustrated but every time we got a new sports illustrated i flipped it to the back page first thing and read whatever he had to say even if it was about the nhl i'm forgetting uh i'm forgetting uh, what was it bill uh, uh bill uh the celtics fan guy nye bill oh. nye <laughs> Bill, no, Simmons. Bill Simmons. Bill Simmons. Bill Simmons. Bill Simmons. Yeah. Man, I used to read when he, when they had page two, especially that was that was a great that was some great stuff on there. Um, all right, enough of this internet Y two K talk. Let's talk about a guy that does remind you of uh, an earlier age in Georgia football. Stacy Searles is now building the Great Wall of Georgia, and it is looking pretty good right now with the RPM that Jake Rowe put in for a guy right up the road out of Walton High School, and we'll start right there, but it could get even better this month, fellas. Yeah, it could and it should. Um, you know, I think Georgia left this month with some great momentum with some big names. Um, you get uh, some momentum with Calhoun. You felt like you had that going into June, and then I feel like that's kind of been confirmed throughout. Um, Nair Daniels felt like you made huge strides with him. I know uh, that's another one Jake Rowe got that RPM on for. Um, and then uh, – I'm going to butcher this guy's last name, but uh, Michael Uweenie? Weenie. Is it Weenie? 
I don't know. I, I, I don't that's know. what I that's what I want to say every U I N I is that you say his last U- name. U-E-N-E sounds right. Yeah, that was not that was not a guy I really had on the radar coming into that official visit. I thought that that was more of a cursory visit, and then you leave there and you feel pretty confident. I think about where Georgia stands. Um, you know, in it with Alabama for sure, but I mean, kind of brought it neck and neck by all indications. So, um, you know, overall things sitting well on the the dogs' offensive front. Chances uh, the same too with uh, Jonathan Daniels. Um, uh, you felt good coming out of that visit. Florida State still the team to beat there, in my opinion, but. Uh, a lot going on on that offensive front, and it should be noted, and we try to talk about this over and over again, it's not a good year for O-line nationally. Uh, there's, it's slim pickings out there. Um, I'm not saying there's not some great players available, but slim pickings uh, for you know the amount of top players out there. Um, so Georgia, I think, if they're able to land these guys that they're thinking um, or that they feel good about right now, I think it'd be a hell of an accomplishment and a hell of a class for girls. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm really getting caught up in the weeds trying to get on uh, get on uh, this stream right now and comment myself through my own personal Twitter, personal uh, YouTube account. So I kind of lost track of what was going on there. But I will say this: the Stacy Searles is delivering a massive stiff arm right now because this class is down. And and Wes and I talked about it in a recent video. Um, there's some there's there's an inordinately small number of offensive linemen inside the top 100 groups in the country. Um, you know, I brought up the 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 analogy of of or the example of Andrew Thomas and how I believe he was the fifth or sixth, maybe maybe even I think sixth offensive tackle in his class, and I still think he was a top 40 top 50 recruit. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I don't know that you've got six offensive linemen in general, not just offensive tackles, but offensive linemen in general inside the top 100 this year. So you're looking at Daniel Calhoun, a massive man who could play tackle. I like him a little bit more at right tackle. Could play, you know, three other positions on the offensive line, maybe center. Um, this is the kind of guy, man. He weighs 360 pounds right now. There's no telling what he could do or how good he could be if he could get down to 325, 330, and stay there. Um, Nair Daniels, same same thing. You know, he Nair Daniels might, uh, if you caught Stacy Searles in a moment of candor. He might tell you Nair Daniels is his number one offensive lineman in this class. I don't know that for a fact, but but it's possible. I would think he'd probably at least be top one, two, maybe three there with John Daniels and uh, and uh, Brandon Baker. Uh, and then, you know, I, I love Marquise Easley. I think Marquise Easley, to me, is my favorite offensive lineman that George is recruiting. You're talking about a 6'6 six, six to 6'7, six, 325-pound guy, big hands, big uh, high hips. He moves really well, great feet. He's the twitchiest, most athletic guy. He just doesn't play against as good a competition as as Michael Luini or, or, or Daniel Calhoun or, or even Nair Daniels up in New Jersey. He's out in Illinois where um, it's not exactly a hotbed for line of scrimmage talent, but still love the raw tools there. And Georgia is going to, as of right now, now listen, it could change. Kirby Smart could come back off of vacation and be like, all right, guys, listen, we don't need all four of these guys. We're just going to take three. Um, but right now, Georgia's going to try to take all four of them. 
And uh, who's to? How can you blame them? How can you blame them? I mean, the only the only argument that I could make against it this year yeah. is that the is that the twenty five class is so loaded. Now, it, I and I'm saying that as a devil's advocate because I'm always with the mind in recruiting. You take your bird in the hand. All right, if you can get those dudes, you take them while you can get them. Uh, but the 25 class, and especially in the state of Georgia, is going to be one of the more impressive cycles we've seen at the offensive line position in some years. Now, which which one of the guys already committed is the offensive lineman? I get them mixed up. Is is Debose the offensive lineman? Yeah. yeah, Debose. Okay, it's Debose. Yeah, and and he's he's the he is from Georgia, right? Manchester. No. He, he, no, 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 no. That's, that's just that's the D lineman. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's the D lineman. Yeah, he's okay. from Mobile, Alabama. Okay. Yeah, that's gonna be he's gonna be hard to hold on to, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, shoot, man, <laughs> I'd take off I'd take all six of these offensive linemen and then save all my NIL money up for David Sanders. Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. Personally. All right, I'm doing a little bit of research over here. So, Jake, the 2024 class has 10 offensive linemen in the top. 100 none inside the top 20 the 2023 class had 13 yeah. and i was counting the 2022 class as i started talking and i lost yeah so it's a little bit down and um you're not not quite as down as i thought it was and i think that may be some be from some recent changes because i know at one point I, I there was like six um as far as the industry ranking went in the top 100 and now there's 10 um, I don't think that it's just not an elite offensive line class. And I, and I wonder, you know, where would a Monroe Freeling or where would a Bo Hewley uh, be ranked in this current class? Well, there Monroe are 15 Fre- in the class of 2022. So yeah. Monroe Freeling. And, 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 probably- and in 2023, it was considered to be a pretty, not a great year for offensive line talent either. If I recall. I was going to say, I, I would guess Monroe Freeling would fall where he did in the on three rankings, which was the number one offensive lineman in America. Yeah. And inside the top 10. I think he was number seven overall in our rankings. I believe so. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But, uh, yeah, absolutely. I think guys like that would, would see a big boost this year. And, you know, it's like I said, you, you should take them if you can get them. I, I think that that's always the strategy, as good as that 25 class is. And it is special. I mean, there's some really, really great players in state. Some guys, George is after heavily already, too. Um, Nikolai Brooks, Cortez uh, Smith out of Parkview, or, Columbia or Parkview. Um, and anyway, one of the two. He's he's there's some orange involved and a tiger on the helmet. Uh, tiger Paul. Um, there's but you know, they've got um uh Mason Shorts committed to Alabama already in the 25 class, but Georgia's gonna stay on him. I mean, they've got uh Brandon Jacobs' son, um, who I believe is at Buford, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he's a stud. Yeah, like you said, David Sanders, you feel good about that early on. I don't know that I'm saying like slam dunk good, but you feel like capable that you could possibly win that battle. Um, so there's, yeah, there's a lot of talent in that 25 class, but still, man, look, big dudes don't grow on trees. Get them, get as many of them in, let God sort them out and Scott Sinclair. But you're also looking at too, another thing you're looking at is in a span of 13 days, um, could be in a span of 13 days because we don't know exactly what Dave, uh, what what Calhoun's going to do yet. Uh, but you've got Uini on the 30th. You've got uh, Nair Daniels on the 4th. You've got Marky Seasley on the 8th. I'm sorry, it's not 13 days. It's nine days because um, for some reason I had Joseph Jonah Ajanye roped in there deciding on the 12th, and that's just another thing altogether. He could probably uh, play it too. I yeah, I'd say he could probably pitch in if needed. Yeah. And if you wanted to include somebody who came on in OV to Georgia, Casey Poe has that. 
his decision on the 12th. They're not getting him. They're no, not. 100%. Yeah, but nah, that's going to Alabama, I think. That's that's Rammer Jammer. So, so, so 2025, since Roos has been talking about it, 11 offensive tackles in the top 100. Offensive tackles. Yeah. All in, the top, all in the top 90, actually. So. And how many of them from Georgia? Do that math real quick for me, Paul. Uh, you got Josh Petty from Roswell. Yeah, oh, boy. I forgot about him. Yes, he's a stud. And, and that's it from the top 11. Oh, wow. That's, that's surprising to me. Listen, I'll tell you this, though, and I've heard this from a couple of people. There are a couple of Georgia coaches, or there's some, some talk back there. Not, this is not just Georgia. There are some programs out there that wish some of these 25 guys could reclassify to 24 because the class could really use the bolster. Um, now, now, if you're talking about just overall talent in the state of Georgia, uh, you got four kids in the top 20, um, two in the top 10. And yeah, Josh Petty's a dude, man. 14 in the top 100. Hey, Wes, can we answer this question here from Tomahawk Dog real quick? Yep. Um, Tomahawk Dog asks, uh, does Stacy Searles uh, prefer the big men like uh, Sam Pittman does? I, I think Stacy Searles is kind of, uh, I think he wants a good mix. I think he wants a mix of athletes and, and, and giant dudes because you look at this, look at last year's class, right? Uh, first year, he comes in, he grabs Monroe Freeling, who is sub-300, great athlete, Bo Hewley, Jamal Merriweather. Um, you know, uh, Josh Miller and, and Kelton Smith are big dudes on the interior, uh, but they're also big, long dudes who, who knows, may surprise you be able to play a little tackle for you. They'll they'll get a shot there. They'll, they'll work on there at some at, point. Kelton Smith at right tackle doesn't seem unbelievable to me. Yeah, or, or Josh Miller to me. I mean, watching yeah. Josh Miller move on film. Um, but then you looking in this class – uh, old TD Tomahawk Dog, uh, you look in this class and and I mean, where, where's the beef? Okay, they, yeah, they, where did it all go? What happened? Lots, Were they abducted? Did they choose to play different sports? What where where'd they all go? Lots of beef in this class, man. Because uh, Marcus Harrison is a gargantuan Ooh. human being. Um, he he, I'm telling you, he looks like a Rocky villain. Um, and then you've got Malachi Tolliver. He looks like a henchman. A, yeah, big man. Yeah, <laughs> go look at the picture of him, man. He's—I I mean, like a cold stare on the young. Yeah, man. Ma- Malachi Tolliver's a, a, a massive dude. He's a great big old human being. If he's nothing else, he's a massive human being. Um, and then you know, obviously, Nyer Daniels, Daniel Calhoun, Marquis Easley. Um, you're 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 talking about an average of about six six to six seven, three hundred and forty pounds, three hundred thirty pounds between those guys. So yeah, big dudes. You're, um, and, you're but your, you're pissing your pants if this guy's staring you down. Yeah, no question. I just did. Off the table. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, like I said when we saw him the first time, I've I've got a collarbone injury now. Yeah. <laughs> <No> <laughs> uh, Matthew C pointing out the kind of the scheme fit for what they're looking for on the O line here. Um, I don't, again, I don't know if whatever Mike Bobo did in 2014 is necessarily relevant now, but if it was relevant, I still tend to think that you want to have just bigger guys. And here's what I'm thinking about that. The more that you add games onto schedules and Georgia is going to with the playoff expansion, I think you just need bigger bodies that can yeah. last longer into games and longer into seasons as opposed to some maybe smaller, more athletic O-linemen uh, that can't hold up to a long and bruising SEC schedule plus 
an expanded playoff on top of that. Maybe well, I'm looking way too much into that, but I think Georgia is really trying to beef up for uh, for a lot of reasons. No, and and I think that I mean that's part of the reason why Georgia rotates its offensive linemen. You know, the last couple of years, they they know that the 15 game season that they want to play wears on you big time, and so you know if you can you know, decrease that snap count, you know, just a tad bit and, and get, you know, a, a sixth offensive lineman, seven off, off, seventh offensive lineman into the game. I mean, I, I, the stat last year is seven offensive linemen played 30% or more of Georgia snaps. That's, yeah. that's a lot. It is. It is. Now, one thing I do want to clear up here, and I don't want to get too inside the football here, um, but when you talk, you're talking about zone scheme, all zone schemes are not created equal. When you look at, or, you know, late 90s, uh, mid to late 90s Denver Broncos type stuff with Alex Gibbs, that was that was stretch outside zone. Yes, athletic offensive <laughs> lineman who can run and then cut a guy down and stuff like that, 100%. But when you start looking at this new modern-day zone, which is a lot of what Sam Pittman did, Sam Pittman wasn't a gap scheme guy. He was duo. And duo is basically a combination of zone and power where you don't pull the offensive lineman around and you need big dudes. And what you want to do is you want to take giant men, you want to put them on a track and you want to say, go and block anything that crosses your face. And that's kind of how they play that. And uh, yeah, so you want big dudes and listen, they want Bo Hughley and they want um, Jamal Merriweather to be big men. Okay. They're going to try to get them to eat and work out into big men. I really wish I was six, six, and could could just do that. Uh, I don't know. That'd be good for my blood you're, pressure. You're, but you're a big man. I mean, yeah, I, big, I can I can get big. I know that 100. <laughs> percent I mean, I don't necessarily know that you call a man just a little shy of five ten. You know, that can put on weight real quick. A big man. You just call him a fat man. But if I was six six, they could call me a big man. <laughs> now here, here's a here's a question that I've got for you guys. Going back to those you know, 2024 offensive linemen. Do we think that the plan is to play some of these guys that are listed as offensive tackles at guard? Yeah, absolutely. You know, at, I think, at center. I think, yeah, I if think they need them. You'll cross – I think you'll cross-train all those guys for the most yeah. part. I mean, there's because, going to be a cross-train. Because if you think about it, they're going to lose, you know, in, in all likelihood, all three of the starting interior offensive linemen. Right. Now, granted, two of those were recruited as tackles, so – you know, there no, is well, they, they were they were labeled as tackles. Labeled I mean, as they, tackles. They, yeah, I mean, they yeah. Xavier Trust was a tackle. He started really the game at tackle before he started any right. Any, I'm sorry, I was I was more meeting Tate Ratledge. Oh, I mean, Tate, one of them yeah. was yeah. But, but Tate Tate has said that he started his career at tackle and quickly learned and moved inside. Matt Luke told him, buddy, you're a guard. Well, everybody knew Tate Ratledge wasn't gonna be a tackle when he showed up at the Army All American Bowl and his arms were like, you know. 32 and a half inches. I think I don't I, the, to me, the labels don't mean much anymore. I mean, yeah. we're, we're, we're giving our best educated guesses in terms of these rankings, but the reality is I would say you got a 50, 50 shot. I mean, it, it, there's, yeah. you know, it's not like guys are just locked in or being, I don't even think in Georgia's case, personally, you're recruiting guys to just be tackles. I think you're just trying to get the biggest dudes in the most athletic big dudes you can. And then you just figure it out when they get on campus. Um, do they know, even you, do that with centers? I mean, do they really just bring center, in center whoever they the, can and just teach whoever they need to play center to snap centers, the football? Or is, me, is that a little bit one. more specialized, you think? No, it's a, it, to me, that's the one. And, um, you know, 
I mean, like Clay Webb, for example, was never going to be a tackle. So you you knew that he was going to be an interior offensive lineman wherever he, whenever he landed. Um, you know, uh, but you know, I mean, Jamari Sawyer was supposed to be the guy at guard, and then ends up stepping into the tackle role for Georgia and makes a, a killing doing it, and then goes on to the NFL and he's holding a spot down there. I mean, uh, Ernest Green was a top you know, was the number three tackle in his class and, you know, could very well be Georgia's starting left tackle this year. Roe, Ro, am I, uh, am I misremembering on, um, uh, no oh shit. Who was it? Uh, uh, Isaiah Wynn. Yeah. What about the him? interior, right? Um, yeah, kinda. <clears throat> I know Vanderbilt and Georgia were both telling him he could play tackle. Um, they, they both thought he could play tackle and, um, Everybody that ever coached the kid said he could play tackle, and Sam Pittman said he was dumb for playing him at, at guard in 2016, that he was a left tackle for life. So, um, it's I mean, but the thing with center, I will say this. Um, Cedric Van Pram was recruited to be a center. Um, yes. Jared Wilson was not. Nope. Um, he was trained, recruited to be a guard. Austin Blasky 100% was not recruited to play center. Um, Warren Erickson was, um, you know, to, to eventually pitch in at center. Clay Webb was and didn't play it. Was Cabrano? Um, um, no, not at all. He was recruited yeah. to play guard. He actually sucked at center um, for a yeah, while. I remember, you, I remember him saying that when he was learning. Yeah, yeah he was like um, – he had to go, like, research a weird way to snap the football because he couldn't get it back there. Yeah. Um, you know, Trey Hill, I don't think, was necessarily recruited to play center. Um, maybe maybe with that in mind. I mean, I think they've got an inkling. He that, was hey, from he's center, so I thought maybe that – Maybe I didn't know that. I, I didn't know that. Strong. I thought he played tackle for that team. Yeah, I think I thought I, th- I believe that. I thought that's what I thought. I thought too. I remembered him snapping the ball to Jake Fromm at Houston County. Maybe he, I'm misremembering that. He um, uh, but he was. I mean, if you look back on that class, that's a great example. I mean, it was Trey and Jamari in the same class, and both of those guys were thought of as, in most cases like the one or two guards in the class. I mean, they right. were, and, and both of those guys ended up. And that was back when we had guards and centers and everything right. split yep, up. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and, and one ended know. up playing center another ended up playing tackle. Yep. So. Exactly. Guys, yeah. this is really impressive that we devoted this much time to the <laughs> offensive line. And we, we love linemen. This many people watching <laughs> and commenting. That proves to me that you are all damn good dogs because you know how important the offensive line is. Um, all right. Let's chop some wood. I'll get us started. Just something, you know, out of the blue here this week. I'm noticing a trend in dogs that are still on the roster and dogs that have moved on. And uh, it's these great catches. We'll start with the mailman right here with a pretty good haul. I know that's held up pretty close to the lens, I have to imagine. But he got a pretty good snag there. With that striper on a on a fishing trip with uh, John Fitzpatrick, I believe, and then the DGD Outdoors Instagram has Kamari Lassiter here with he's got quantity, whacking toads, dude. Look at that man. <laughs> so I don't really that's, know what the point is, but I'm just chopping. What about these dogs enjoying themselves near bodies of water? They're reeling them in. And that's uh, ba- that's Jordan's reeling in some recruits up. as well this month, it seems like. Jake, yeah. Guna, Guna says you've never caught up fish before. He can kiss my... <laughs> <laughs> that's them spotting words. No, that's that's fish lingo, man. You got, you got that right there. He's been whacking toads, dude. 
that's uh you know i mean it, it's very similar to surfer talk if honestly where did everybody go i'm just showing this okay. entire he's, uh, he's, he's, he's on the toe yeah, has here. yeah yeah that one in the front right there that front left he, I, i'm sure he's long arming a little bit but uh Dude, that's a comparatively though. I mean, if he's long, he's long arming them all, and that one especially seems to be a standout. Yeah, hey, and, and we need to get into this too. Hand size is hand size a big, big factor for bass fishermen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he didn't say. use a fishing pole. He's palming for bass. He's got. I wish I knew where that fishing hole was right there in that photo. <laughs> my my man JC Jesus Christ could feed a lot of people with them fishes. Is all no doubt. doubt. No doubt. No doubt. All He's right. Jabbing. Who's next? Jake Rowe. I think Jake Rowe's ready to go to bed. <laughs> 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 oh man. Uh, listen, I'm, I'm going to chop wood on and and we we go around our, like go around to all these different assistant coaches and everything like that, and everybody you know kind of gets their flowers. Uh, and a guy that we've talked about some, but but I don't necessarily know a lot, and a name that keeps coming up in, in who I talk to about things is Fran Brown. And, um, you know, I know Rusty's kind of brought him up, and I don't know if we've chopped wood on him. I don't know if we've given the man the axe just yet, but but in a good way. We, we're giving him an axe as a, as a prize. Uh, but Fran Brown is – the work he's doing for Georgia in this class is, is really tremendous because he's involved in, in Nair Daniels' recruiting, recruitment. He was involved in helping Georgia get uh, Jordan yeah. Thomas. He's also helping Glenn Schumann uh, heavily with Justin Williams. Um, Fran Brown is one of the more understatedly effective coaches I have covered at, ever at Georgia, and I've covered the team for over a decade. Um, you know, there there are a lot of guys that were flashy. Um, Recruiters like Brian McClendon, whenever he would just get a Nick Chubb and a Sony Michelle in the same class, I mean that was that that just didn't happen very often, you know. I mean, it, it, Alabama had done something the previous class with Derrick Henry and Alvin Kamara and Tyron Jones, um, but but it was it was flashy. It was it was there was a lot of glitz and glamour to it, even though the players themselves weren't necessarily flashy players, uh, and, and they were just great. Uh, but the way Fran Brown's just pitching in here, pitching in there, um, I don't know, man. It, it really feeds into the Georgia team culture and and has a lot to do with with why this team has been so successful on the recruiting trail in this cycle. And uh, he, he's doing way more than just his own position. And, and in a way, um, you know, you bring up our man Dana Point over here. Uh, in a way, what Dan Lanning did a lot of at Georgia. Now, Dan Lanning let the outside linebacker room slip a little bit, and the depth got a little wacky there, at, you know, with two classes and some bad breaks. Um, Kirby but, stepping oh, in. Kirby had to step right, in. Right. <laughs> but, uh, but, but, ultimately, but ultimately, man, um, you know, Dan Lanning with, with N'Kobe Dean, um, yep. with the guys at his own position, with defensive backs, um, he played a role with a lot of different guys. I mean, Malachi Starks, um, you know, Dan Lanning was big there. So, uh, you know, the, the, yeah, the 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 position coach is going to get uh, a lot of the scrutiny and he's going to get the accountability. But there are a lot of coaches involved in these things. And, and something I'm hearing a lot of is Fran Brown. And I'm also just hearing in general a lot of, hey, I'm close to everybody. I, I know everybody up there. And that's kind of what Nair Daniels told me as well. Yeah, very collective effort by those guys. Um, I think it's <laughs> impressive. Uh, you know, they're, and, and you mentioned Dan Lanning and it kind of gave me the same vibes as almost – uh, you you said him 
and that made sense to me. But the name I was thinking of was Glenn Schumann. I think that I think that Fran Brown's going to have an opportunity to kind of pick his next spot. And I don't mean necessarily as head coach, but he could go somewhere, probably be a hell of a DC, or you know, he might get a head coaching opportunity. Uh, but the guy is destined for big things. Appreciate him while you can, because he's not going to be here forever. I can assure you of that. Um, all right. I'm going to chop wood. Okay. Go ahead. No, no, please. Okay. Well, I I was going to chop wood continuing on the theme of offensive line. Um, I had two things that I was considering. I'll give the first one a quick shout out in the second one, going a little bit more depth with it. Shout out to Georgia for the top 10 finish at the, uh, Learfield director's cup, seventh place, best finish since believe they said 2005 was the year. Um, Mm. or, 15, I thought they said 18 years. I don't even – I don't even – what is that? It just, is that like all, it's it's like all the sports? The most, is that like all the sports? Can, yeah, together? it counts for all yeah. sports. Uh, um, okay. That's why I don't know I, that. I can't remember. Anyway, that's why I wasn't <laughs> going to spend all too much time on that. I'm going to chop wood on Amarius Mims. Um, and what I love what Cole Kublik had to say about him. He said, God knew he was creating an offensive tackle when he made Amarius Mims. The physical makeup is exactly what you want. NFL scouts are going to look at him and say, I don't even need to see the tape. He's on our board. Just because his ass is so wide, his waist is so small, his arms go down to his kneecaps, he's flexible, he can move, he can change directions. Yeah, he is when you say prototype, tackle, uh, body frame, however you want to state it, that is him. He is that. He has a chance to play his way. Uh, he was talking about the best players at each position. He Who said, said he this? Cole Kublik. So, you got to get Cole uh, on here. He said he has a chance to play his way there this year uh, with, because he has a ton of ability. So I'm excited to see what Amarius Mims has to bring to the table. I think, you know, when you are, are looking at this offensive line, and, and I wrote about it as, as one of Georgia's top position groups, it reminds me a little bit of Broderick Jones from last year where, sure, he's not somebody that's, that's you know, a returning starter per se, but he's got some starting experience, started both of the college football playoff games. Uh, and, and then, you know, it's, it's also a situation where you're not really con- all that concerned about, you know, th- this person stepping in as a starter, uh, you know, despite the fact that you are losing somebody that was off to the NFL. I mean, Jamari Salyer was off to the NFL, replaced by Broderick Jones, first round pick. You know, last year, I don't think there was much concern about left tackle. And, you know, normally that's a major storyline. Uh, you know, again, you've got Marius Mims probably going to play on that right side because that's where he's a little bit more comfortable, um, you know, replacing Warren McClendon off to the NFL, three-year starter for Georgia. Not really much too, too much concern about uh, Mims stepping in as the starter there. So excited to see what he can bring to the table. Love that quote. Uh, love listening to Cole talk about offensive linemen. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply if mims would have not returned from his uh, transfer portal experiment. Where do you think he would have gone? Florida, Florida State. State. That yeah, was Miami. It was one of the two, I think. Yeah. He took a uh, visit to Florida State. Yes. That's right. I remember that did. now. Um, 
missed yeah. the spring game. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was, that was fun. <laughs> um, all right, so I think I may have done something on this on dog stocks uh, on Sunday. I can't remember these. These all run together for me. It's fine. But uh, new audience every show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, chopping wood tonight. Um, I'm going to chop wood on a column that I did yesterday, which was called third and long it was the first installment. I did of that and kind of went in depth on some topics, talked about some things, touched on them. And when I wrote a lot of it out, I was actually pretty taken aback with this. So uh, what I wrote was um, since Dylan Riola committed to Georgia, uh, that's um, I think kind of the, the, the big thing that kind of spurred a lot of this. It was the, May 15th, May 15th, right? So since yeah. May 15th, Here's how things have gone for you if you're a Georgia fan, uh, Georgia fan and uh, recruiting fan. Uh, Dylan Riola, May 15th, nation's number one overall prospect, the top guy in the country, part of the industry ranking. There's nobody above him. I feel like people are like wringing their hands. That's like, that's crazy, right? It's the number one play. Those, you just don't get those guys all the time. Drew Miller, nation's number one punter from Georgia Hotbed, Iowa. Uh, Colton Heinrich, a guy that you beat out Ohio State, Florida, and Alabama for. They all three wanted in on him. Marcus Harrison, 6'8", 330 at offensive tackle or wherever he ends up. A guy out of New York. Sure, why not? Jade Riddell, number one tight end in the on 300 ranking. He's from Missouri. Justin Green, you just have to go down the street to get him. But, oh, yeah, he's a, a guy everybody wants. South Carolina especially wanted him. Uh, Auburn in there, too. Jordan Thomas, you go back up to the Northeast and uh, pull a defensive guy that uh, Michigan really, really wanted. Chauncey Bowens, you steal from Florida. Uh, a top 100 player in the on 300 and uh, one of their crown jewels. Quintavious Johnson, a do-it-all athlete. Guy plays some quarterback for his high school team, uh, but looking like an edge and um, uh, Georgia, I think, with a, a very interesting pickup there. And then Nambi Agboko, six foot four, three hundred forty pounds. He's been playing for one single year of uh, football. Right? Uh, you get a twenty twenty five commit in Tay Harris as well. Fourteen commits within the top two hundred of the industry ranking. Twenty one commits before July. The possibility exists that you add what four to five, maybe four or five in July, maybe maybe by the end of July. Uh, Ten or more guys in the top one hundred. They're still involved with. Every single official visit weekend has yielded a commitment. Number one class in America, two five-star commits, and 12 four-star commits. The only team that matches that is Ohio State. And Georgia still leads uh, by a point and a half in the class rankings, which is a pretty sizable gap. Did- All right, so let me ask you this. All that is awesome. I mean, that yeah. is I'm, – I'm surprised I'm still sitting down right now. Where does this <laughs> – contextualize with some of the other Georgia classes you've ever seen. I mean, is this, it it is without question. uh, I don't even think it's close. The best entry into July in the Kirby smart era. And I don't think that it's really even, I don't think anything's touching it. Um, The numbers are there. The quality is there to me, the run you've been on lately uh, the momentum you've got and the momentum that you can carry over into July is huge. You know, you've got a whole season to play and prove what you can do again. And you've got some guys out there who may start thinking about, hey, you know, my team's not performing the way it was, or I hope that they would. 
maybe I can loop back around if Georgia's continuing to do what Georgia has done. To me, they're in the best spot that they've been in from a recruiting standpoint in the current class entering into the month of July in Kirby's tenure. And somebody correct me if they think otherwise. I'm looking at you, Jake Rose. That's what I'm looking for, man. That was – I like to put a bow on it and get the frame of reference. All that is great. How does it compare to everything else you've seen? You've seen some stuff, bro. You've seen some stuff. And Palmer, you're – you're seeing some things too, man. You've you've seen a lot of good things. Let the boy watch. And hey, so, so I counted the states that you that named there. Bluish hue. <laughs> I counted the states that you named there. Eight states represented in Georgia's commitments since uh, since May fifteenth, and we're counting Dylan Rayola with Arizona because that's where he was when he committed. Twelve states in total committed uh, represented on Georgia's commitment. List. Why don't you let me have my moment? Jeez, you're always coming behind me. I hadn't even thought about that from the, I mean, talk about the worldwide, you know, the national brand. It's strong with Georgia right now. Man. I mean, it it's, is. it's, I can't, and I, I can't, I cannot abide these people who are sitting back wringing their hands. You, there have been times to do that this year. I don't think is one of them. Um, yeah, I don't understand it personally. It doesn't compete with me. But then again, maybe these people are just, you know, following the lead of their fearless leader, Kirby Smart, and they're going to be paranoid until they see every single national championship go to the dogs. That's what it's like to be a fan, though. We appreciate all the fans watching the Georgia show tonight uh, for tuning in on Sundays as well. You can always catch us at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time and read a lot of the things like Jake Roos just mentioned. That stuff is premium information over at dogshq.com. That's not the only thing on the site that you're going to say, wow, I can't believe Dogs HQ's putting that together. I can't believe they learned that about Georgia this week. It's all happening over there, and uh, this conversation is all happening over on our message board too. So if you are not joined up as a premium member, I know a lot of the people comment, commenting tonight are but if you're watching this you liked what the free sample tasted like then get on over to dogshq.com and join that community Um, hit like and subscribe on this and bark after dark is just a few days away guys i'm so excited to see what you know what what this break this little hiatus what it's going to lead to when bark after dark gets back on the air it's going to be great We've been uh, we've been in those little rooms like Aaron Rodgers, man. Just uh, yeah, <laughs> that's it. We're we're refreshing ourselves. I have been uh, I've been basically gorging myself with just pure ghee for weeks. So, <laughs> just, that's just, how you just, prepare for bark after just pouring just pouring Kalepo ghee right down the gullet and uh, um, just I mean I'm I'm not I'm, even making the ayahuasca tea. I'm just eating the root, man. I'm just. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just just sets it in his cup holder in his car and gnaws on it all the way down the road. Just let it simmer. Uh, sincerely appreciate tonight, y'all. What a fun summer it's been. Fun summer it's going to be. And it's not slowing down until UT Martin. So look out. What's their mascot? The Nighthawks. Skyhawks. Look out, Nighthawks. Damn, you came with the quickness on that, Paul. Y'all have a good one. We'll catch you soon. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.